Have you ever sat through a Relief Society lesson, heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you, then wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear parts of some prominent talks given by women throughout the history of the church. Hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to see how their experiences can apply to you. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and today I have two special guests. We're here with Emily Utt, who's a historic sites curator with the church. Hi, Emily. Hi. And we have Katie Perez, and Katie is a stay-at-home mom of two, and she's read uh, the Toxin at the Pulpit, and so she's ready today to discuss this talk and ask any questions that she has and share her experience. So thank you for being here, Katie. Thanks for having me. So today we wanted to discuss a talk by Virginia Hinckley Pierce, and this talk is called Prayer, A Small and Simple Thing, and it was given at a BYU Women's Conference in 2011. So let's talk a little bit about Virginia. So what I find so interesting about Virginia, her, you know, we all know who her father is, um, President Gordon B. Hinckley. She was raised in such this gospel-centered home that everything about this family's life was gospel-centered. You know, she was raised in a home that prayed together and that studied the scriptures and that served and worked in the church. And so gospel living, I think, came naturally for this family. I was reminded that she was 16 when her father was called as an apostle. Can you imagine being a teenager and suddenly having to be like, (laughs) the best kid on the block because you know you're the apostle's right. kid, that would that would not be fun. <laughs> I didn't realize she was so young. Um, I, I did love, too, just talking about the gospel being such a natural part of her home. In the introduction, kind of in the background of this talk, it gives just a quote about her mother. So Marjorie Pay Hinkley, she just said that church work for her mom was part of who she was and that she always just seemed energized by doing that work and not pressured or annoyed because I do see people that are pressured and annoyed by their work in the church and that it's not necessarily something that is just a natural part of their daily life with prayer and scripture study. And it's just something that they did as a family. And I think that really helped shape Virginia's life and her perspective on living the gospel. I thought that was neat. Yeah, I I think you can read through her talk. You can see that the lessons she was taught as a little girl became part of who she was. You know, she, when she has a problem as an adult, of course she's going to pray because her mother prayed. That's just the way it's going to be. And I also love that that she became educated, that she got she um, got a degree in, was it history? The minor in English. Oh, yes. And then supported master's her husband through all of his schooling and then went back and got a master's degree in social work because she wanted to help people. I think that's such a, again, a reminder of the kind of home and life that she was in. Yeah. And she did actually have her own private practice for a while, but um, then she was called to be in the Young Women General Presidency. But I feel like with her background, she was able to really use the skills that she had for that. As a member of the Young Women General Presidency, she wanted every young woman to be a righteous, problem-solving woman of faith. And I just think I love the word problem-solving that she uses because she just wants the youth, to I feel like, to be practical in their lives and with the gospel. And I think that's a really neat tie into her topic, which is prayer. So she begins her talk by sharing a couple different stories of people in her life. And so the first one is about her grandmother. And I guess her grandmother's name is Martha. And she just told and retold this story to her daughters and their children. And so let's talk about this story. I kind of love this story that it's so basically, um, Martha was a young mother, and her husband died. 
leaving lots of little kids and a family to take care of. And she was out once. She was, I think, wasn't she refilling a straw tick? And her wedding band fell off into the straw. And she thought she had lost it. And so she prays to find this little gold band. And just as she's about to give up, she kicks the straw and finds it. And her prayer is answered. And let's really think about this. <laughs> you filled these mattresses with straw and you lose your ring. So you're dumping out all the straw of these mattresses. And just it's almost literally like finding a needle in a haystack because it is a stack of hay. <laughs> yeah, she probably lost an entire day's of work wow. filling those straw ticks and then emptying the straw ticks and then having to refill the straw ticks. Yes. There's a part where she says, um, the ring is a long link honoring marriage and eternal loyalty, but to her family, it is a reminder about the power of prayer. Yeah, I oh, love that. Good. And I was thinking as I read that story that this probably was not Martha's first prayer. You know, as she's going through the death of her husband and these troubles in her family, she had probably been praying constantly. And she was probably a woman that knew that God would take care of her and that God answered prayers. And so when she got into this little teeny tiny difficulty, she knew she could turn to God for help because God had helped her how many, you know, thousands and countless times before. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if, you know, because so, so she had been living her life in a way that she knew she could turn to God when she was stuck. Along those lines, she says that her great-grandmother, Martha, she prayed for the ring. She looked down and found it. She acknowledged the answer. But then she says, of all the other prayers Martha must have offered and many that were more critical in her life. I mean, think about, you know, when her husband was dying, he they were so young. They hadn't been married very long. She was actually pregnant at the time. And she had to load him up in a a wagon, I guess, <laughs> and take him to the doctor. And he died three days later. And so it's just like, why weren't those prayers that she was certainly offering, you know, in behalf of her husband and her family, you know, why weren't those answered? But I, I love what she says about this. So let's listen to this quote by Virginia Hinckley Pierce, what she says about, you know, the difference in which prayers are answered and how. But on the day that Martha lost her ring, God granted her prayerful desire. However, I believe that finding the ring was a minor miracle when compared to the real message. I think the real message to Martha was that God was aware of her sadness and love for her long-gone sweetheart, whom the ring represented. He was telling her that he knew and loved her and that he was there for her. And stunningly, this reassurance of his presence and love is much greater than any other possible outcome. What did you think when you read that? I related to the story um, in that part because my mom was pregnant with me when my dad passed away of colon cancer. And so I have seen, you know, prayer in our family throughout my life. I'm sure that's probably the only reason my mom made it through half the time with seven kids being a single mom. I think that that played a, a huge part in her continuing on with faith, you know. Wow, that's amazing. I know I can't even imagine so another part of prayer, as uh, Virginia Pierce is talking about this topic, she says that we can't fathom how prayer works. I mean, we're talking to our Heavenly Father, but we don't know how. We we can't understand it. And she said, it doesn't matter how much experience you've had it if you've been praying your 95 years of your life. And she says, but we do know some things. Uh, do you remember some of those things that she said about prayer? 
I actually highlighted them. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> she said that, I, I love that she said that prayer rests on faith, you know, that we are mm-hmm. speaking to someone that we can't see and that we trust is there and we trust is listening. That takes so much faith to, to speak into the void and believe that there's somebody on the other side that cares. I think about that kind of faith. And I, I think about Martha too, and that what if God hadn't answered that prayer? I bet she would have kept going. I bet she had mm-hmm. the faith that God was going to take care of her anyway, regardless of if a prayer is answered or not. Does or that, that she recognizes yeah, the answer. I mean, yeah. it could be answered, you know, and we just don't know mm-hmm. how or why. Yeah, that, that, that idea that as when we truly trust God and know God, we will, we will speak to him. That was actually one of my favorite parts of my mission experience is when we would meet people who hadn't prayed before and after we taught them about God, who's our Heavenly Father, and about the concept of prayer, to ask them to pray and to see the faith that they exercise. Because I think I take it for granted because I had the opportunity to grow up a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we always prayed over everything, Mm -hmm. always. And so I just, that was so such a testimony builder to me that I'm like, okay, do I have that same faith that they're showing? And I just always remember that. Well, you think of your kids, like when you're teaching them how to pray. I love it because as I watch my five-year-old and two-year-old, it's like even the smallest little things, they're important to him. But my kids are like, and bless my car, you know, it's like, <laughs> but I love that because to them it's important. Yeah. yeah. And that and then you can teach them that God will answer the little prayer. They'll, you know, if God cares about the little teeny tiny things in my life, when it becomes time for a big thing, mm-hmm. uh, what do I do with my life? You know that God will take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, so she also says that prayer is an expression of agency. What does she mean by that? Because I thought that was interesting. I think we aren't forced to pray, mm-hmm. right? It's a choice. We can get up every morning and go about our business and there is no law that says we must pray and you must mm-hmm. say these words and you must do it this many times a day. It is an expression of our love for God that we do it because we want to, not because we're told we have to. So the last thing that uh, Virginia Pierce says that we know about prayer is that it grows out of humility. What does she say about it growing out of humility? She said, when we pray, it signals a recognition that we cannot live this life alone that we are dependent upon the Father and His Son for our very breath. I love that. It's deep. It makes you, you know, stop and think. Yeah, it really shows our relationship to Heavenly Father too, I think, mm-hmm. and that we just are really submitting ourselves to Him. Okay, so there's another story uh, that Sister Pierce uses to illustrate the principle of prayer, and it's about her friend Jane. And Jane's children are making choices that are very disappointing to Jane, and she feels very powerless, and these choices have caused her a lot of pain. And she just decides to increase her temple attendance and prayer more constantly. And what did she say about her children? Do you remember? After she's done this for years. I'm sad to say that they didn't change. Yeah. And then she paused and said, but I have. And I've seen that even in my own family. I have an older sister that you know, makes different choices and kind of fell away from the church. And my mom, I've seen her feel the same way as Jane did. Like, where did I go wrong? But I think it was neat how she's like, she just changed her whole outlook on everything. And it was, she changed herself and was able to deal with all that better. It actually reminded me of a mission experience. I had a a missionary companion that 
I didn't get along with very well. I'm not sure that she knows how much I personally didn't get along with her. And I shrug- <laughs> and now she knows. And now she knows. <laughs> um, but I struggled for a while with her. Um, and so I started praying every single day to love this companion. And by the end of her companionship, nothing had actually changed. Her behavior wasn't any different, but my heart was different. I, I had softened. Um, and I loved her even though nothing really else had changed. And I think it was because of that prayer, because every day I was looking for ways to to love someone and it changed my heart. So I, I related a lot to this story about Jane and about how when you pray to change other people, that's never going to happen. But when you pray to change yourself, you will. Well, and that's something that's so interesting to me because I think a lot of people get very frustrated when they don't get answers to their prayers that they're asking for, when they're asking for very specific things for years and years and they don't get the answers that they think they are asking for or that they need, it's hard to look at yourself and think, okay, how have I changed? And she even mentions that prayer is to strengthen our relationship with God. It's not necessarily to get what you want. It's aligning your will with his and strengthening that. I thought that was amazing. I love that idea that it's prayer is really about changing your your heart. So when you can say that God, thy will be done, what that really means is whatever you want is what I want. Rarely are the prayers answered in the big miraculous way that I want. But what the, what does change is is my desire, the things that I pray for. So I thought this was interesting. Just as you're talking, I was reminded about this quote that she shares in her talk by um, Elder Neil A. Maxwell. And she said that the, so she quotes him saying, some have difficulty with the reality that prayers are petitions, even though God knows all and loves all anyway. True, we are not informing God, but we are informing ourselves by reverently working through our real concerns and our real priorities and by listening to the spirit. For us merely to say ritualistically, thy will be done, would not be real petitionary prayer. This would involve no genuine working through of our feelings. There would be no experience in agonizing and choosing and in also submitting. What did you guys think when you read that quote? I love actually, I, 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 again, another <clears throat> recent experience. There's been something recently that I've been praying for, wanting an answer, wanting a direct, clear answer to. And I've been praying almost the same prayer for several weeks. And then one night I changed it just a little bit and the answer came. And the change was not about the thing I wanted an answer to. It was changing my perception, changing my will. Um, So it was really about that experience of working through my own emotions, my own feelings that then brought the change that I needed and the answer I needed in my prayer. That can be hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, really Thank hard. you for sharing that. <laughs> well, and going back to Jane, let's talk some more about what Jane learned. Um, so let's listen to Virginia. She says this. My friend Jane talked about receiving those kinds of messages from Heavenly Father, those frequent uh, manifestations of the Lord's power, the tender mercies, the small me- messages that acknowledged his love for her and her children. And she began to expect them, though frequently, and to be full of gratitude and express that for them. Uh, is there anything else that she said that she learned, especially in relation to her kids? I was just impressed that she said, my relationship with my children is better. That she loved them more because of the work that she was putting in to the relationship. And she wasn't calling them to repentance. She wasn't telling them to change their lives. But 
all of her relationships were better because her heart was different. I thought it was neat because she said, I also knew what to say and she kind of felt bold too. So she wasn't preaching them, preaching to them or pleading with them or anything like that, but it's just that was part of her natural life. And she she said that they supported her in her temple attendance, which I thought was neat. And so I think that there was just more love from on both sides, you know, and more understanding and compassion. And it's so neat that their relationship was strengthened, even though nothing had changed, you know, from the kid's end. Okay. So she talks about combining our prayers with um, going to the temple, temple attendance, and then, you know, fasting and um, even the combined prayers of others. Because so this is interesting. I've seen lately on social media that, you know, how it's a common thing to say, you know, if someone's going through a hard time, you know, I'm I'm sending you thoughts and, and prayers. I'm praying for you. And some people I've noticed on social media really mock that. And they mock that, you know, members of of the church say that because they think it's insincere. They're like, well, why aren't you doing something? So I actually had a very uh, treatable type of cancer. And, you know, there were a few days, though, that we didn't know. We, we knew that I had a cancerous tumor, but we didn't know the very positive prognosis. And so for those few days, it was so horrifying. My, my daughter was nine months old at the time. And my, my mom, I mean, my poor parents, but my mom would say that, you know, people that would just be in her life that she didn't really know would talk about hearing about my experience and praying for me and my family. And I could literally feel that we could feel the combined prayers of so many people and we were okay. I mean, I think people expected us to be a little bit more worse off than we were, but we were, that's the word I describe. We were okay. We were sustained through, through that terrifying time. And it's like, I wasn't healed overnight. I still had cancer. I still did chemo for six months, but it's just made it so that we could go through that. And we were strengthened because of it. And I know that it's because of the prayers of, and the faith of others. So I'm wondering what you think, how did this discourse change your perspective about prayer? I just loved hearing another person's perspective on it. Somebody, I think all of us have a slightly different relationship with God and a slightly different way that we approach prayer. And so it was wonderful for me to hear from someone who has a tremendous kind of gospel-centered life and a tremendous amount of faith and hearing their struggles with prayer and their experiences and the way that prayer has strengthened them. It's just yet another reminder of how important this is that God will answer my prayers. He answers Virginia Pierce's prayers, and he takes care of his children. Yeah. So just to conclude, I want the listeners to hear this quote. Um, She says, And so the miracle of prayer doesn't reside in the ability to manipulate situations and events, but in the miracle of creating a relationship with God. And I really think that that was the theme of her talk. So, Emily, I want to know, what. why do you think this particular talk was included in At the Pulpit? Well, one, it's from kind of a contemporary woman in the church, that her experience is one that is very familiar. And this is a woman who has family background that I think people could tie into. I've never met Virginia Pierce, but everything I have heard about her is that she is a wonderful, lovely kind, kind of generous person, the kind of person I think we would all want as a neighbor. So I think uh, including a talk from um, from Sister Pierce is just a reminder of the power that this very basic principle can have. Prayer is such a basic doctrine of the church, 
every leader of the church has spoken on this. So to have a voice from a woman in leadership sharing doctrine in a very personal way, I think is a really powerful and really special theme to include in the book. Yeah, we hope that our listeners are joining us by reading these discourses in At the Pulpit. It's available on the Gospel Library app and also at churchhistorianspress.org. Thank you so much to Emily and Katie. We're so grateful for you sharing your experiences and your thoughts and your insights. I'm Shailen Back. Thank you for listening. 